1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.
2: Greetings from the Garden State of New Jersey. This is Ringside with Redding, Boxing History from Yesteryear, brought to you by the Sports History Network. I am your host, Frank Redding. In this segment, I am going to concentrate on four gentlemen who are some of the top pound-for-pound boxers who ever laced up a pair of gloves. This segment will be called The Top Pound-for-Pound Boxers of All Time, Part 2. The first man I'm going to focus on is Willie Pep, Will of the Wisp, born on September 19, 1922, in Middletown, Connecticut. Ladies and gentlemen, his record clearly indicates he was not a puncher, but his forte and bread and butter was his slickness, his defense, and his tremendous speed. He fought professionally from 1940 to 1966 and had a record of 229 victories, only 11 defeats, and one draw with sixty five knockouts, two hundred and forty one total fights. Why it is even told that he once won a round by not even throwing a punch. Absolutely unbelievable and stupendous. He turned pro at seventeen with a record of fifty four and zero. He won his first world title, featherweight championship of the world on november 20th, 1942 in New York, New York, a 15-round decision over Chalky Wright. He lost his first fight against Sammy Angot in a non-title match, a 10-round decision on March 19th, 1943, New York, New York. The war years limited his title defense activity but he kept active fighting regularly for the next several years. Three title defenses. On january eighth of nineteen forty-seven, he was severely injured in an airplane crash. In a flight from Miami, Florida to Hartford, Connecticut, the plane went down in New Jersey. Willie spent a total of five months in a full body cast with two Broken vertebrae, a compound fracture in his leg, and chest injuries. He came back and fought on June 17, 1947, winning a 10 round decision over Victor Flores in Hartford, Connecticut. He fought his Grace rival and his Fraser to Ali, Sandy Sadler, but was KO'd by Sadler in four rounds the first time on October 29th in 1948 in New York, New York. He lost the featherweight championship of the world. He regained the title with a 15-round decision on February 11th, 1949, and lost to Sadler on two different occasions in 1950 and 1951. So he fought Sadler a total of four times and was one in three against him. Over the next dozen years or so, Willie would never regain the title again after losing it to Sadler, but he would continue boxing until 1966. Just for him to come back from a near-fatal plane crash is incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one for the ages. He mastered the technique of hit and not be hit style. And for this, he deserves high honors and recognition. The next man I'm going to cover is Harry Greb, the Pittsburgh windmill. Another phenomenal story worth telling. He was born on June 6, 1894 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was the antithesis of a pro athlete. His idea of training was keeping active fighting. During a career that lasted from 1913 to 1926, he had 108 wins and 49 knockouts, 8 defeats, and 3 draws. And he also had 170 no decisions. His greatest, most famous victory occurred on May twenty third, 1922. He won a 15-round decision over future heavyweight champion of the world, Gene Tunney, in New York, New York. On August 31st, 1923, in New York, New York, he won the middleweight championship of the world with a 15-round decision over Johnny Wilson. He had four title defenses, and the third title defense was against the legendary Mickey Walker won a 15 round decision on July 2nd, 1925 in New York, New York. Ladies and gentlemen for this time this was considered a super fight. He lost the middleweight championship to Tiger Flowers 15 round decision on February 26, 1926 in New York, New York. Lost again to Tiger Flowers August 19th in 1926 a 15-round decision. Two months later, he died at the age of 32 on October 22nd of 1926 in surgery, complications of surgery after an automobile accident. His story is even more intriguing, because in a fight against Kid Norfolk, known as William Ward, he won a ten round decision on august twenty ninth, nineteen twenty one in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He suffered a detached retina and did not have any treatment and was blind in his right eye for the rest of his life. During the nineteen twenties, he tried to secure a shot at the heavyweight championship, but Jack Dempsey refused to fight him. He lived two or three lifetimes in his little over three decades of being on planet Earth. The next man I'm going to talk about is Benny Leonard. born Benny Liner. That's L-E-I-N-E-R. On April 7th, 1896 in New York, New York. His career lasted from 1911 to 1932. His record was 89 wins with 70 knockouts, 6 losses, and 1 draw. And this man had 115 no-decisions. Pre-Sugar Ray Robinson, he was one of the pound-for-pound great fighters that ever lived he won the Lightweight Championship of the World on May 28th, 1917, in New York, New York, over Freddie Walsh, a God. knockout in the ninth round. He had five title defenses and retired as Lightweight Champion. He came back in 1931 and 1932, but the magic just wasn't there anymore. He was involved in several. Controversial fights over his career, he had the legendary Ray Arcel in his corner and headlined the first card at the new Madison Square Garden and one of the first, the very first, in fact, championship fight at the new Yankee Stadium. A legend amongst native New Yorkers, he was referred to as the great Benny Leonard. The last man I'm going to cover in this segment, ladies and gentlemen, is Joe Louis Barrow, better known as Joe Louis. He was born on May 13th 1914 in Lafayette, Alabama, and his career lasted from 1934 to 1951. He scored 66 and three with 52 knockouts and 69 fights. He was a 1934 National AAU Heavyweight Champion, and he turned pro on July 4th, 1934, with a knockout of Jack Crack in the first round in Chicago, Illinois. He had pinpoint accuracy, combination punches, and power in both hands. An absolute dynamo. With a record of 24-0, and he lost his first fight to max smelling in new york new york on june 19th 1936 he was knocked out in 12 rounds for the time this was a great upset on june 22nd 1937 one year later he knocked out the cinderella man jimmy j braddock and won the heavyweight championship of the world in chicago illinois the joe lewis era began The heavyweight champion at this time, ladies and gentlemen, throughout history, was the most respected man in all athletics. One year later, on June 22, 1938, he gained revenge against Max Smelling. In one of the most important fights in boxing history, he knocked Max Smelling out in the rematch. In one round... Much was at stake in this fight. Lewis damaged Max so bad, he broke two vertebrae in his back and a little over half a round. Lewis defended the heavyweight championship of the world a total of 25 times with 21 knockouts. There has never been a heavyweight champion so dominant, devastating, or active. His title reign as heavyweight champion lasted from 1937 to 1949. Joe Lewis was not just a great heavyweight. He's a man for all time and one of the great heroes that ever lived. He was also a gentleman who broke the Keller barrier. I'm going to be signing off for this segment, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to say... Everyone listening, be happy, healthy, and safe. From the Garden State of New Jersey, this is Ringside with Redding, brought to you by the Sports History Network, your host, Frank Redding, signing off till next time.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at Sports History Network
0: more of unique items with the retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including T-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to SportsHistoryNetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes.
1: Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the football history dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds, as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history. But as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment. You know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports gesture year. Starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast... Or maybe being a guest on one of our shows. Or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you gotta do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter. Because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you gotta do, head over to Sports historynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I am through if you're through.